Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Awesome. So good. How are we all doing? Doing good? Um, I just feel, we've been um, speaking about freedom, about to, yeah, youth, you can go. See you, Rach. Um, we've been speaking about freedom lately. And um, just before I sort of get into any of what I prepared, I'd love it if we could just spend a couple of minutes. And there is a, I mean, there's many places in the world that don't experience freedom. We are one of the places that has some of the greatest freedom in the world. But India at the moment is a place that is really not experiencing freedom and is in an absolute catastrophe. And I actually feel like it would be wrong for me to launch straight into us talking about our freedom without actually pausing and as a church praying for them. And we have, many of us have friends there. We know people. Um, we've got people in our church who have family and friends. And, and I just actually, I just want to throw this out to you for a second. Can we just take a moment? You might like to stand up, you might, might like to move around, but just find a couple of people and just spend a few minutes just, just praying and just um, interceding on behalf. It's, a, it's like a massive prayer because India has over a billion people and it's, it feels overwhelming, but we know that God is a God of miracles. He's a God who answers prayers and he, we know that prayer actually moves his heart. So as a church, could we just do that for just a couple of minutes? Just, just find some people, pray, and then we'll get into it. All right. Thank you, God, that you can bring healing. Heavenly Father, we pray. We declare victory for India. We declare healing. Lord, we thank you that you are moving powerfully there now where we can't see. Lord, we pray for people who are waiting outside hospitals. Lord, we pray your blessing over them now. We declare healing. Lord, we pray that you will make a way there, God, where there is no way. God, we thank you that you are a miracle-working God who can do phenomenal things. And God, we pray that together as we stand with India, Lord, that you could raise our faith collectively together to see something miraculously happen there. Lord, we pray for all those people right now who are crying out in pain. We declare victory and healing for them. We pray that you'll comfort them and bring them peace now. And God, as a church, we just declare victory there together. We thank you that we can be here together and stand united for the country of India, for every single person, no matter how forgotten they are, Lord, we declare healing and victory over each of them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn to someone next to you, say you look ridiculously good, and um, that's all. (laughs) And for some of you, that was really awkward. For others of you, that was a step in the right direction. So... All right. So things are well? We're doing good? Yeah? That's great. I'm glad. Um, in November 2018, I went down to Melbourne with a few friends. And um, we went to the Peninsula Hot Springs. Has anyone ever been there? It's beautiful. Yeah, it's like all hot springs carved into rocks. It's fancy. As they gave us these, um, like, I can't even think, white bathrobes. And uh, I was there with like nine other guys. It wasn't weird. And we walked just like, actually, there was one moment we walked through this hot spring that's sort of quite like ankle deep and it was all these stones and you sort of walk over them. We just walked over like 10 guys just chanting. And, and that's not what you're meant to do there. Just, you just can't help it when you're wearing a white robe and walking in a line with other guys. And I, it was my brother-in-law. He was going to be getting married soon and he was on tour there. We could, the only way we could kind of get with him. So we went down there and... We go around, you sit in these hot springs. It's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. And then we went and sat in a sauna. And 
we decided for some reason that we would play a game. I guess it was sort of this inaugural, you know, Peninsula Hot Springs sauna competition, which has never happened again and probably will never happen again. But we thought, who could be, who, could, who can actually last the longest here? Who can stay in the sauna the absolute longest? And, and there was a few punishments. One was you had to, if the first person out had to go into the next sauna, which is full of like 30 or 40 people, and, and flop on the ground like a fish. And then actually the other one I remember, then it sort of, it just, you know where punishments keep escalating? And I think you had to go and sit and have a serious conversation with a friend sitting in the sauna about how you had a, had a crush on your sister. And, um, and so no one wanted to be the first person. It was horrific. It was like, no one's going to be the first person out. All right. And so we were there just going, I will, I will die in here. I will die because I will not be the first person to that door. And we just sat there and we sat there and we sat there and I started to feel like I was going to pass out. And I was just there going, oh no. And then we're lying down. Like we had this, we had, it was great because it was just the 10 of us in this one, it was a big sauna. Anyone who walked in the door was like, no, I'm out. And, and maybe it was a stench of guys who'd been in there for far too long. And then you could see some guys are starting to sit like near the door because they're hoping that maybe they might get, you know, someone will open the door and they get a you know, breath of fresh air. And we're just there and like just, I'm thinking this, this could be it. Like 10 guys die in a sauna. This is bad. And then we're waiting and waiting. And then finally, I can't remember who it was. One guy just caved. He just ran for the door and the rest of us just burst out. We all ran outside and instantly we were just cheering. Like we were yelling. It was like you, you just elated. And we ran and we jumped into this like freezing cold plunge pool. And I don't know, something, the chemistry, whatever happened, when that cold water hit us, it was like we were... We were going nuts, like we were just screaming and carrying on and, and we, were, we were proclaiming our freedom, right? We were proclaiming our freedom and onlookers started to gather around. They were looking around going, what is going on? In fact, people jumped in the pool with us because they're like, what's, this is special water. Like, <laughs> no, it's just cold. And so, and it was amazing. And all these people looking around and we, like our response to being free was to declare it. Like the moment we left that room, we had no other response but to go, I'm free. Like we were like gulping in fresh breaths of air and it was incredible. And that feeling of freedom, like have you ever experienced that sort of feeling of freedom? And you're like, this is amazing. And you want to tell people about it. And as a church, we're talking about proclaiming freedom, but you can't proclaim freedom if you don't know what freedom is and if you haven't felt it. And, and, and I wonder too if sometimes we're here in church and we sing about freedom, we talk about freedom, but there's something that goes, but you're not fully free. Like you're not, just not feeling it. So let's have a look. Let's jump into the Word. If you've got your Bible, uh, we're in Galatians chapter 5, which is a good spot to be. Just checking to see who's actually got their Bibles. Yeah, okay. It's just a mental note. No, I'm serious. I'm joking. Uh, if you have it on your phone, go for it. Otherwise, it's actually going to be right behind me. So don't even worry. All right. 5 verse 1, let me be clear. That's a good way to start, isn't it? Because this is like my main point. So this is Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, right? And this is the fifth chapter. So he's had four other chapters. He's written and told them a whole lot of things. And he gets to this point. And he goes, okay, let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free. So you're free. You are free. The church in Galatia, they were free. You the Granary Church, whether you're a visitor, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're free. But do you feel free? Like when you pause and think about it, do you feel, do you feel free? Or, or are you still enslaved by the desires of your body? 
It, is your mood dictated sometimes by your stomach? No, you just have like low blood pressure or something, you know, I don't know, whatever it is. It, it, is your thought life, does that enslave you? How about, how about money? Do you feel like you're free with money or are you enslaved with either having not enough or wanting more? Are you addicted to your phone? Someone, one of our friends the other night said that they were addicted to their phone. She was like, what am I looking for? I just keep searching. Do you have fear around the approval of others? Do you use distraction to fill up empty space? Do you feel shame? Do you feel guilt? Do you feel tired when you think about all that? So I have the freedom of Jesus, like I've got it, but I don't feel free. And I would say that for a lot of us, either right now or at some point in your walk with Jesus, you felt that. You go, I believe I'm free, but I don't really feel free. Like there's something still holding me back. So if, let's keep looking at this verse, right? Because I believe that Paul, inspired by Jesus, that Jesus has spoken to him and he's a, teaching this church in Galatia incredible things about what it means to be free. So if we keep going, it says this, um, the anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. So if you have been enslaved in some way, you've been addicted to something, you've been stuck in a sauna, when you get free, it seems funny that it'd say stubbornly refuse to go back because why would you want to go back? And, and the church that he's writing to in Galatia, he told them about freedom, but then over time they thought maybe we could you know, help our freedom through self-discipline. Maybe we can go back to some different things. They had different arguments, a lot of the arguments about circumcision and different things that they, they were thinking if we can be self-disciplined, then that can lead to freedom. And so it's interesting because when you think about that, that's really just control, isn't it? I can control my freedom. I will do everything I can and I can control it. I can be in control of being free, which doesn't actually really sound that free, does it? So, so the, the, the idea there is that self-discipline is the way to freedom. Now, one thing that we love to do in, in our culture, we love to... Um, we love to you know, discipline ourselves in different ways. And one way is through fitness. So we, we think if I can discipline my body, then I can be, I can be free because, you know, because I look good, I'm fit, I'm healthy, you know, I can, I can avoid death as long as possible. Um, and so a few years ago, me and some friends stupidly decided to do F45. Actually, it was amazing, but it's a cult. It's great. And so, um, <laughs> and we started doing that 5.15 a.m. session and it was like, it was stupid. But one of my friends who shall remain nameless, his, his mantra the whole time was F45 and eat what you want. <laughs> and it was like, you just break even. Cause it's like, well, he would go and work his guts out and then he would eat like an absolute pig. And it's like freedom. I'm free in what I eat, but you're still bound by your stomach or your taste buds or your desire for Kit Kat chunky at midnight, whatever. Like he had his thing. So it, it doesn't, it's, it seems counterproductive, doesn't it? And we often have these, these ways doing like, I can self-discipline myself in this way so I can do whatever I want over here, which they kind of, they're at odds with each other, aren't they? And so often in our minds, we can like, you know, logicize it. It's like, no, no, that totally works, totally works. But really like, that doesn't, that doesn't work. That, that's not free. You can't call that freedom, okay? And so, so we think that now, 
in the church, this is what we do. And we do good things, but often we think, I'll produce freedom through self-discipline. So I'll read my Bible and I'll pray and I'll go to church and I will say no to all the wrong things and I'll say yes to all the right things. And strangely, I still don't feel free. And they're all good things. They're all fantastic things. But it's still doing to be free. And, and I know that for many of us at different times, you're reading your Bible, you're, you're praying your heart out and you're coming to church every week and you go, but I still don't feel free. I'm trying all these things. And then you start to get frustrated. Now, Paul goes on. In Galatians 5.13, he says this, Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. That's good. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Now, natural realm, you can think that's like society, that's culture. So he's saying you are free, like you're fully free, but don't see that now as an excuse just to go like, well, I have grace so I can do whatever I want. Because the way the world sees freedom is I can do whatever I want whenever I want. I can eat whatever I want. I can... I mean, essentially, I can sleep with whoever I want. I can watch whatever I want. I can go wherever I want. I can drink whatever I want. I can do whatever I want because that is freedom. I have freedom to do whatever I want. And songs, so many songs we listen to, that's what they're declaring. And so many movies we watch, that is what they're speaking, that this is true freedom, doing whatever you want. But whenever I've tried this, it never seems to work out. And we know that often this is actually leaves us uh, pretty hollow because we're still actually bound by the inner man. It's like this inner self, selfish, self-focused self that still wants to do whatever we want to do. And you end up feeling hollow and alone. You often annoy the people around you or you just burn bridges with them. And so to receive the freedom of Jesus and use it for self-indulgence looks free, but it doesn't work. I remember when I was younger and I kind of realized it's like, hang on, grace means I can do whatever I want. And so you're like, yeah, I've got grace. I can do whatever I want. But after a time of doing whatever you want, you realize, hang on, I don't think this is what it's meant to be. So, so there's, there's a problem here. So either we're looking at self-discipline and I will like be disciplined and this is the way I'll find freedom or I will be, I'll just be self-indulgent. I'll do whatever I want. And, and you might see this in your life in different ways. There may be, may be parts of you that are sitting there going, I know I'm self-disciplined this way. There's other parts where I'm self-indulgent. Maybe you're totally one, totally the other. Maybe you are the perfect human and neither. I guess not. So the funny thing is that we go from self-discipline, then we go to self-indulgence, and then we think, well, self-indulgence doesn't work, so we cycle back and go back to self-discipline. We think, well, if self-indulgence doesn't work, then we better try this. And it's a bit like a pendulum, and maybe in your Christian life you've seen a bit of that. You go, well, now I'm trying self-indulgence because grace, hello, and then you go, no, that doesn't work. I'm going to try self-discipline, and I'm just going to be focused and work really hard. And then you just keep swinging between the two until you go, I'm actually exhausted. Like, I don't feel free. I just feel like I'm swinging and it doesn't work. And in the, so, so, so we convince ourselves that this is the way. Now, I overheard two people talking in Aldi car park yesterday 
And they, they'd just come from the gym. They were like ridiculously fit, good looking people. And they're talking about all the things that they do, I guess, to be self-disciplined. And they're talking about aligning their chakras and meditation and, and talking about all the different types of fitness things that they do. And it was just this impressive list. And actually, so they, instead of, as I was driving past, I could just overhear them. I think I was parked, they're about to, about to park. And it was like, this girl was just rattling off all the things she does. And I was like, that is, that is impressive, but you don't really sound free. Like that would, first of all, cost you a fortune. But second, like you, you're not free because you're doing so many things to feel free. And so, and then in the church, we often think that this is the way. That if I am self-disciplined, that equates to freedom. But the problem is that self-discipline eventually produces self-righteousness. Because I've disciplined myself, so I'm better than you. In fact, the, the last night I was at the Knights game, which was horrific. Um, it was so bad, honestly. Can we just pause for a moment, just a moment of silence? <laughs> it was so bad. Are you, a, are you serious? Are you actually serious? Dog act. All right. And so well, I was there with a few friends and this guy came and sat next to us and he was really drunk. Like he'd been drinking all afternoon. He'd played a foot, footy game earlier that day and was still wearing the same clothes. Like his like playing clothes, like he, it was just like, it was, it's not a good smell, you know, um, lads, not a good smell. Anyway, um, and so he sat there and he was, he was like, he was harmless, but he was pretty annoying. And at one point we're like, he's going to vomit all over all of us. Like, this is just, and, and he's, he's just like, it was, it was messy. And then, and these mates came down and they were, they were pretty annoying. And then finally, the, and we had a good, like, had a bit of a laugh with them or whatever. And then finally they left and everyone kind of clapped and it was like, it was all good. And then we're standing there just chatting, end of the game. And this other guy was standing next to us. He was just having a laugh. And then he goes, yeah, we've all been that guy. And I was like, I was looking at the, my friends who were there. And I was like, no, actually, no, it's not, not everyone has been that guy. Because we're better than him. I didn't say that. But that's almost the vibe. It's like, no, because... They wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. And I was, I actually felt so humbled by this guy. It's like, we've all been that guy. I don't think I'm any better than him. But so often we can go, I have Jesus and I'm self-disciplined, which makes me better than you. And we don't say that, but we act that. A, a couple of years ago, I remember, um, because you know, sometimes you, you, can, you can learn something like yesterday and then all of a sudden you're the authority. You've probably never done that, but you might know someone sitting next to you has done that. Whoever that was, you know someone. Wow. <laughs> and I hope they're sitting next to you. Um, I, I, I work at a school, and I remember a couple of years ago, a girl came to um, our room at lunchtime, and she was angry, shaking a tin. And she's like, I'm going to go do a staff room stomp. I was like, what the heck is a staff room stomp? She's like, none of these teachers care about the poor. I was like, ah, oh. and she was about to just go and start raging and shaking this can in teachers' faces and be like, give some money to the poor. And I was like, oh, just pause before you go, like, because I know that, and I was like saying, I know this teacher, they were over in, you know, this country doing this last holidays and they were giving up their time. And I know these people spent a fortune doing this and these people, like, these are teachers who really care. And she just couldn't, she was so self-righteous. I mean, think, I think she discovered the poor like six months before that. And up until that point, she, I don't think she knew that the poor existed, but all of a sudden it's like she was so self-righteous because she knew about the poor. I was like, yeah, everyone here kind of knows about the poor. Like, and, 
And I admired her tenacity, but her self-righteous spirit actually did more damage than good. And so we can become, we can become like this. And, and I think, church, we, we have a bit of a problem with self-righteousness. Like, we don't say it out loud, but sometimes we can act it. And it's not doing us any favours in the world when we act like or think that we're better than anyone else. We have Jesus, and that's amazing, but he loves everyone too. So what's the answer? Like, we have either got a set of rules, and it's this set, like a life of self-discipline, right? So rules to bring freedom. Your freedom is dependent on how well you keep the rules. You do this, you don't do this. And maybe you've been more disciplined ever, than ever before. And right now you are feeling resentful and you're feeling judgmental. Or we live a life of self-indulgence. So you do whatever you want. And maybe that's you right now. You're going, I'm living a life of self-indulgence and it sucks. And I feel really hollow and empty. And so we've got these like two things and we kind of swing between them and I've just basically presented a whole lot of problems. And, and so often you look at that and you go, this is not sustainable. Like I can't just keep swinging between the two. This is, I, I think, I feel like there's got to be more than this. And isn't it great that Jesus is the king of the third way? Like he always provides a third way. Often we think there's like two options, polar opposites, and Jesus comes in and goes, um, have you thought about this? And you're like, no. That's amazing because he's Jesus. And so this is the thing, all right? So Reese Howells, who if you've ever read, there's a book, Reese Howells' Intercessor, guy in the early 1900s, Welsh revival, some of the most phenomenal prayer stories you've ever heard. The guy was amazing. He, he said this, the self must be released from itself to become an agent of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. The self must be released from itself to become an agent of the Holy Spirit. So often we're looking at self-discipline or self-indulgence and it's too much self. It's way too much self. Self is not the answer because true freedom produces something, okay? So when you look, if you are really free, like when you burst out in true freedom, it should actually produce something in you. It should be producing something out of you. So let's have a look in Galatians 5 verse 13. On. Actually, we got the whole thing there. Okay, so it says this, beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. Don't view this as um, this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all we do. For love completes the laws of God. All of the law can be summarized in one grand statement, demonstrate love to your neighbor, even as you care for and love yourself. But if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, you're acting like wild beasts trying to destroy one another. Freedom produces love. If you are free, you love. The more free you are, the more you love. So it's not about self-discipline or self-indulgence, if you are truly free, then you love more. And, and this love, like it seeks one thing, really. It seeks the good of the one loved. It's not just a feeling. It's not a desire. It's to will the good of another person. And you might just look and go, Josh, that's ridiculous. That's unattainable. Have you seen the church? Have you seen the people sitting around me? Have you seen how hard it is to love some of them? 
Or you might go, it just sounds so lofty, like love. It's love. It's lovely. And often we can think, that's just like, it's love. It's, you know, what does that even mean? And so if you, if you look in um, Galatians, Paul, uh, actually not there, no, another verse. Now in Galatians 5.16, let's, let's have a look at that one. It says this, as you yield fully and freely to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. As you yield fully and freely to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. Now, Richard Foster said that sin is ultimately an attempt to fill our need for God with everything but God. Okay, so that's sin. is just filling ourselves with everything but God. So it could be self-discipline, and I'm filling the space with everything but God. Or self-indulgence, and I'm just filling the space with everything but God. They're kind of obvious examples when you think self-indulgence, and you know exactly what it is. But to love, Jesus knows that what you need most is him. He is actually the thing that you need most. And it's not just something like love is not just something he does, it's who he is. St. Ignatius said, God is love loving. He, he is love. That's his nature. So in order to be fully free, because the outworking of freedom is love, so to be fully free you need to be with Jesus, like be fully and wholeheartedly surrendered to Jesus, and that actually creates freedom, which is something that then you can go and proclaim because you haven't created it yourself. And you haven't just indulged to the point where you feel hollow. You have surrendered your life to Jesus and you go, well, now I actually have something to proclaim about. I actually have something to yell and cheer about. So repentance is an interesting word because no one likes to talk about it. Does anyone like repenting to other people if you've done something? No, you do not. Even in the car on the way to the four o'clock day. So ever my wife, and she's 38 weeks pregnant right now. And even just getting out there, like she's, she's doing so well and Silas is four and we all had to repent to each other because we'd just been annoying, like just to get in the car. It was just like an edgy time. I was, you know, and so we're like, and even repenting to a four-year-old is hard. It's like, I don't want to repent to you, you're four. But then I really care about you and I love you so much. So of course I'm going to be like, sorry for getting annoyed at you. And no one likes repentance, but this is the interesting thing. Repentance from sin, so, and if sin is attempting to fill our need for God with everything but God, it actually brings freedom and not condemnation. So tonight, like, I genuinely believe that for you, God actually wants you to be free, and he wants to bring up some things and go, can you repent of this to me and surrender this because I want you to be free? I don't want you to be bound by it anymore. Because I know that for some of you walking here going, like, as soon as we start talking about this, you know exactly what it is. You know exactly what the thing is. Maybe you are trying so hard or maybe you're just going, stuff it, I'm doing whatever, grace. And, and God is saying, I want you to be able to surrender these things to me because I want you to be free. Like I want you to be properly free, not the world free or not trying hard free. I want you to be properly free because if the church is actually meant to work with Jesus to change the world, he needs free people, not people who look like everyone else. Like there's actually got to be something different about you. And, and Jesus said they'll know us by our love. That's actually the thing they'll know us by. And if love comes from freedom, then you actually need to be free to be able to love. And if freedom comes and, and, and love, you know, coexists there, that both comes from Jesus. So you need to be someone who's fully surrendered to Jesus in order to be free in order to love. And I'll tell you what, I'm actually not good at loving without Jesus. I'm not very good. And I would guess that you're not either. 
because Jesus is love. He is love. And I am a selfish being who loves to do things that please myself and make me feel happy, that ultimately don't make me feel happy. But I think they will. And so church, if we are actually meant to do something different in the world, you can't look like the rest of the world. And I feel like so often we look like everyone else. We have the same problems as everyone else. We're dealing with all the same garbage that everyone else is dealing with. And God's like, I'm giving you a ticket to freedom here. It's not just like, oh, you know, click your fingers and you, it's a one, you know, like just a miraculous thing. But he's like, I, I am your ticket to freedom. God doesn't give us, he, he, actually, I love this. God doesn't give us a map because he wants to be our guide. He doesn't just give you, here's the ticket, here's your map, here's your answer, off you go. He actually wants to walk with you. So he's saying, I want you to be with me, fully surrendered to me. Like the thing that you feel embarrassed to tell anyone that you're bound by, that's the thing that he wants you to surrender to him. Because he's like, I want you to bring that to me so you can be free, like fully free. Not like part free and then you come next Sunday and you're seeing the same thing going, I feel like a hypocrite. But completely free. So you go, actually, I'll fully surrender that. That shame, that guilt, whatever it is, that actually has no power over me anymore because Jesus has set me free from it. So I want to give you a, an opportunity tonight to repent. And we're not going to stand up on stage and like I'll hand the mic because that would be horrific. Actually, we might start over here and work our way across. That would be, that would be so bad. We're not doing that. Um, look, if there's something that you go actually on your heart that you need to repent to someone, then maybe you need to do that, Okay. But tonight, I honestly believe that, that in this, God is saying, bring something to me. Allow me to search your heart. Because I honestly believe that the, the enemy, Satan, who's the father of lies, he loves to deceive us. And one of his tricks is to go, yeah, you're free. Cool, whatever. Just don't dig any deeper. And it's almost like he sort of allows you just to go, yeah, we sing the song, I walk out, I'm free. I'm free in Jesus. Like, of course I'm free. But I'm struggling with all the same stuff that everyone else down my street is struggling with. And the enemy loves to trick us so we don't actually allow God to search your heart because we go like, no, I'm totally free. I believe that God says, no, I actually want to get right to the core of what it is, not look at all these, you know, things floating on top. I want to get right to the core of what is stopping you from being free. And I want to fill that space. I want to fill that space. The things that you're filling with other garbage, I want to fill that space. The things where you are trying so hard and I admire your passion, I want to fill that space. The times where you've just given up and gone, what the heck, I couldn't be bothered. I want to fill that space. Because Jesus wants every single part of you, every single part of you. Like he's after complete and utter surrender because it's the best thing for you. Like if, if he truly loves us, like if someone truly loves you, if Jesus loves us like he says he does, then why would he want something bad for us? He wants the absolute best for you. And he wants us as a collective church to be a free people. Okay, and, and I know that for some of you, some of you because you've told me and others just because you're human, I know that you are not free right now. And you've come to church every week. And you're like, I still don't feel free. And for some of you, I think that some of you are actually getting to a point where you're going, well, do I keep going? Because this just sucks. And for others, you're like, I'm just going to keep going, but this isn't cool. I feel tired. And so tonight I believe that God actually was going to bring a, like an incredible not just a sense of freedom, but he's going to bring freedom to you tonight. As you surrender to him, as you go, Jesus, this is my thing. Here's my crap. Like this is, here's where all the stuff I've been trying to do. Or you go, here's all the stuff that I've been doing that I, I know is actually just spaces where you should be. So I, I'm going to actually, what we can do is actually band, can you guys just jump up? We're going to pray. I'm going to give you a moment. 
between you and God to surrender something. And actually, I feel God's saying like he wants to fill up the space. There's a space right there that you're filled with something else. And he's going, I want to come and fill that space. And as I fill that space, you will become a person who proclaims freedom, not because you try to, because you do whatever you want, you pretend that you're free, but because you're actually free. You're free from either of those two things. Does that sound all right? Yeah? Is there, is there anyone who's like, actually, I, I want that freedom. I want that freedom. I, I don't want to be stuck doing on this. Like, it's like a, it's a treadmill sometimes, just doing the same thing. I don't want that. And, and honestly, when I look at you guys, I don't want that for any of you. If you're really young, I don't, I don't want you to wait till you're like older to suddenly go, oh, that was actually the key. I could have done that now. And if you are older, then don't wait any longer. Honestly, I think like God's like, I don't want you to live another day not free. I want you to be free today. So why don't we stand and... Actually, this is, this is the line, all right? This is the thing that I'm thinking of. And I guess this is our prayer. Jesus, may you dwell in my heart uncontested. Jesus, may you dwell in my heart uncontested. May there be nothing else that stands between you and me. And maybe there's some things that you can think about. They're like, they are competing for a space that belongs to Jesus. And so as you surrender now, you're saying, Jesus... I surrender myself to you. Would you dwell in my heart uncontested? All I want is you. So why don't you just take a moment. Just pray, come Holy Spirit, as we surrender to you now. We give you all our striving. We give you our running from you. We give you all the things that we've tried to fill up in the space that should be yours. Bring it to you now, Jesus. Jesus, may you dwell in our hearts uncontested. May you dwell in our hearts, in my heart, uncontested. God, I surrender and we surrender all of our, all of our striving, all of our self-discipline that we think will lead to freedom. We sur- surrender all of just our selfishness that we think is freedom. We surrender all of that to you now in Jesus' name. May you dwell here uncontested by anything else. May we align ourselves with your definition of freedom, not what the world would define as freedom. May we align ourselves with you now. God, I declare freedom over every person here tonight. Lord, as we surrender these things to you, as we declare that our hearts are yours, no longer bound by the ways of the world, Lord, we believe that you are setting people free tonight, free from things that have bound them for years free from sin and shame and guilt and addiction. We thank you right now, Jesus, that you are are making your church glorious, that you are bringing us to a point of full freedom so that you can love in and through us to love a hurting and broken world. So we surrender ourselves to you now, Jesus. We declare that you are Lord. And Lord, I thank you for every single person here tonight who has an open and receptive heart to you. Would you fill up that space? that space where they've surrendered something. Would you fill that space right now, Jesus? A space where addiction has been, would you fill that space up? Where shame has been living, Lord, would you fill that space? For people who have been actively doing things that they know are against your will, Lord, as they surrender that now, would you fill up that space? May you dwell in our hearts 
uncontested. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing here tonight. Amen. Why don't we sing?